You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Adam Jocelyn. Winner, winner. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I got one too. Brian McCubbin. Howdy ho, everybody. Hey, David Hall. Hello. Welcome, and Greg Hectus. What's up, everybody? Doing well. Steve Thompson. Hola, amigos. Come on in and uh, sit down next to Mike Ellis here. Take a seat. All right. On the show today, we will be taking a look at the best way to use the new Active Reset system. We look at some UI versus website comparisons. VR users are up in arms after performance issues and whether iRacing has addressed these issues. We get reviews and thoughts on the SimiCube Active pedals and lots of other hardware. And remember, guys, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to this show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss by visiting iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's get on there and see you there. Are you tired of your pedals feeling like a video game? Want to step up the feeling like you're actually driving? We designed our P1 Pro pedals to feel exactly like a real car, giving you a better feeling when you're driving. Push braking zones to the limit and avoid locking up by having a finer feel of those limits. Trail brake into the corner smoother, allowing you to carry more speed. Our P1 Pro pedals will be the last set of pedals you'll ever purchase for your simulator. A lifetime warranty is included. That means if you ever run into issues in years to come, we'll service them and keep them perfect at simcoaches.com. off starting immediately with some of the graphics issues uh we have a topic micro stutters with junior and uh kevin kingstyle on twitter has noticed that the reflections on his hood are dropping the frame rate to 15 fps dell jr also replied in an unrelated matter that he's seeing them with tight turns on road courses and short tracks and he didn't have it in the past yeah kevin king that's a name to remember he's actually made it to the coke series and so we'll see him next year running in there uh, but i thought it was interesting that even the director of iRacing has reported micro stutters and I'm, i know he has a really good beefy computer yeah i didn't have any issues with mine and i read through the uh through the forum especially on the uh vr forums and there's lots of people especially with running the vr um the XR were having lots of issues, and that's why I run, but I had no issues whatsoever, so I was happy with that. I haven't run into any with, with OpenVR either. Hot patch that they put out, uh, the last one, right before the recording, was to fix uh, VR prob- uh, users with OpenVR. Apparently, they couldn't launch the SIM if you use OpenVR, and they fixed that. Well, I was able to. 
Hmm. Yeah, I know. I know David Tucker was talking that it it seemed to be an issue with the cockpit inside the cockpit. They were having some issue that they were going to change the the programming on. All right, moving over to new the new features. I thought we talked about this a little bit last week, but we've got them linked right at the top, or maybe. Somebody else posted a video similar to this. Iristing has posted a video explaining how to use the new active reset. Yeah, this is more yeah, like iRacing's official um, official introduction and description of how to use it. You know, we, we talked about some of the guys last week who were uh, who were streamers and 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 uh, content providers showing their their uh, their ish their um their dealings with this uh, active reset, but this is actually the official iRacing um, explanation and introductions. That Nibon video was pretty funny and entertaining to watch. Usually I'm watching a YouTube video or something. I skim halfway through it, but watch the whole thing. Pretty entertained. That gave me some ideas for sure. Um, Nick Nibon's video. I mean, he used it to set up to take a jump or, or to see how, not jump, but to try to wreck his car. He was trying to see how bad he could wreck it. And so he set it up, you know, going real fast. And then he would reset every time and wreck it over and over and over. Yeah, that's uh, that was actually really funny to watch. Um, but, you know, it, it gives me some thoughts that, um, you know, maybe some of the um, the highlights and not top tens we'll see might get even more interesting because people can fabricate stuff by using this uh, active reset. It's like, you know, you know, you watch those videos they have on the internet where like a guy kicks a soccer ball and it hits the house and then hits the dog and goes in. Well, you know, they, they did it a thousand times before they got that to happen. Well, with the active reset, you can basically do the same thing and try to create these crazy scenarios um, without having to, you know, without, you know, and do it over and over in a relatively short period of time compared to the way you used to. Like a uh, spin off of turn four at Atlanta and go through the grass and then somehow land in your box, your pit box perfectly, you know, some kind of maneuver like that. You could set that up where the active reset starts right at the, you know, coming out of turn four and you flip it through the grass, you know, and try to hit your box just perfect. Yes, yeah, so I would. I would be more impressed with those videos if you saw other cars on there. Since can you actually reset with AI? Because otherwise, um, you have to uh, be in a test session, right? I, yeah, I think it's it, only yeah. test sessions. I think it's only test sessions that you can do it. I'm not 100 percent sure, but I've never seen any um, examples through all the all the different um, videos and stuff where I've seen it done with other cars on the track. I was thinking. Uh, trying to do the jump at Bathurst or at Sears point, you know, when I try to jump the cars and see how airborne I can get them. I mean, this is perfect for something like that, where you, you get it set up perfect and you hit that button, you know, where it's set up every time. And then you just do it over and over until you get the perfect one, you know? So there's a lot of neat purposes for this, that some of these videos have opened up uh, the possibilities of um, right. pretty cool. This yeah, this is this is the equivalent of the um, of the soapbox derby on Mount Washington. It's it's an unintended consequence of something that they brought out. I don't think they they designed it to be something where you can test crashing and stuff like that and and do all kinds of weird stuff like that. But you know, we get our hands on this stuff and and start to get creative with it, and all kinds of weird things come pop up. Right now, I've used it 
effectively this week. So I was uh, having trouble at Summit Point in the new Indy Pro F2 or Indy Pro 2000, I think it's called. Um, I was wrecking a lot. And so there was one real fast left hand kink at Summit I was pretty slow at. So I set up an active reset in a test session for about 20 minutes and just did that corner over and over about, you know, 50 or 100 times. I don't know how many times it was. But I figured it out. I figured out I wasn't slowing enough for the corner. Um, and I need to definitely slow the, the car down like 20 mile an hour and then turn left and it works. And, and so I think that helped me as I went into the next races actually, and I had better results. I used it for uh, practice um, for our league race at Nashville uh, for pit stops on worn out tires and, um, it worked pretty good. It was, it was a little. First time I used it was kind of, kind of stunned me though. As you, as it comes back on and you're going, you know, 180 miles an hour into turn three, <laughs> and and the the shakers go into effect and your force feedback goes back to an effect all of a sudden, right? It's a little jarring. You have to be ready for it, you know. Yeah, I definitely wasn't ready the first couple times I ran into the wall. My problem so far is. I hit the first button where I want it, and then I mistakenly hit the same button again, and then I mess up my first mark, and I have to start over. And so I have to really figure out, I don't have enough buttons either. I need to, I probably, I'm going to have to get more buttons to make this work right, because I don't have enough for the custom sectors, the start and the finish of the custom sector. I just mapped the start and then the reset. That's a that's a good thing. Maybe uh, start looking for different button boxes that are just simplistic. You know, you don't need anything super fancy that just has enough buttons for you to program just specifically for for the active reset. If it's something that you're going to be using a lot, you really need four dedicated buttons for this. Um, and I'm I'm thinking I would you know probably going to use it on a regular basis. Another purpose I used it for is today when they were deploying the hotfix. I went into test drive and drove the Lotus 49 at the Nordschleife. And I, I kept wrecking before getting around to the back half of the track. And it takes so long to get back there that once I got back there, I hit the active reset button. And then if I crashed off, I didn't have to start over at the pits. I was already halfway around the back of the track. And so it works for that scenario too. Yeah. If you want to try to keep yourself from accidentally resetting your mark, if you have a toggle that you can cover, like your ignition throttle, use that. That's a good idea. Good idea. All right. I got the next one because uh, I've probably been playing in the LMDH more than anybody else. Yoop uh, Delight shows his LMDH MJQ unit doing and how often you can change modes. And basically, he's already set up a, uh, a dashboard. I know that JRT's got an update out as well, and it's working on his dashboard as well. And it's giving just giving you a better... Uh, visual with text of what's going on 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 the, the the different deploy modes you can pick as well as your your battery status and how often you can switch and you figured out that like during daytona we're going to switch it twice a lap i think um i'm i don't know yet that's a possibility uh that might give you a little bit more efficiency I don't know right now if this type of hybrid is more efficient in the low gears. See, the thing with the, LM with the LMP 
is your battery was just better to use in the low gears and not in the high gears. It was just a more efficient use of the charge. I don't know how much this is doing that or not. So I'm sure at, with, there will be eventually some testing and some wisdom kind of leak out as to what might be the optimum strategy. But you only get a couple of switches. And um, you can't, unless you use the drop down, you can't skip straight from, say, build to attack. You have to go to stick to between all of them if you're using a button. So I assume this display that he's built is for uh, SimHub, but he doesn't say specifically. Well, let's jump cool. on to the uh, let's jump on to our uh, crusade here, right? The beta UI debate. Tell us about this one, Mike. Well, I always knew that it took more clicks in the beta UI than the website, and it took more time to do stuff. And now we actually have a iRacer Colin Fern. Um, well, he put up a poll, and another guy, he actually put together some actual numbers around uh, how many clicks it is and how many seconds it takes to do certain things. Yeah, so, I um... Uh, real quick, Mike, I, I tried to find out who did this because whoever took the time to do this, I really appreciate it. But I wasn't able to, to uh, get onto the forum link to find out who, who created this. But uh, whoever did it, kudos. We can get it out the script later. It says register for race session. Uh, on the web, he could do it in as low as three clicks or eight seconds. Okay. But the UI, four clicks, 26 seconds. So it's more than triple the amount of time. They did get it down to only one additional click, four instead of three. So what's taking all the extra time? I'm still not using it. Is it just that each page loads that slow? Yeah, it's almost three times as long to get to where you need to get. Yeah, that's essentially it, I think. Um, I mean, he described the method of testing. Now, like Brian said, the forum post has been removed, <laughs> which is a little telling in itself, uh, you know, that you know people are discussion, discussing about the beta UI and, and why this might be a problem three months from now. Um, and then they removed the post completely. So uh, it probably got out of hand, the, the conversation. He doesn't, you know what, one thing he doesn't have on here that I'd be really curious about is um, joining leagues um, on the, on the uh, member website. You know, you just go to league sessions and then click right in. Um, I know clicks. UI is a lot more difficult for joining league races. Yeah, and then Colin Fern, he did the vote on Twitter, and he had 231 votes. 63% prefer the member site, while 36% prefer the beta UI. And so, I think I think at this point the UI has been out long enough that you know if it was, I don't think this uh, poll would be skewed based on you know something being new. It's been out long enough that. If, if you don't like it, you're not using it. If you are, you are. And I think these, uh, this poll result kind of reflects that. It's not a, it's not a um, brand new uh, thing that they just brought out that people are getting used to. Well, you know, I've had, uh, I think I've been trying to keep track, but about eight or nine now, uh, failed race attempts, failed launches into the sim since I went cold turkey on the beta UI. 
And I haven't had those before that. So when I launched from the website prior to this, I never had a problem, okay? Now, in the last two weeks, I've had nine different issues, including one today, which decided to join Dirt Rookie Street Stock, and which they opened up to everybody. That was part of the new build. And I loaded up in the sim. It loaded in, and then it said disconnecting from network, uh, something something mismatch whatever that is tried to reload again in two or three times it wouldn't work i had to forfeit and actually lost about 100 i rating that hurts. so that's kind of ticking me off you know that hey and, and the donnie said he has the same problem sometimes where he's having intermittent launch issues where it's not launching for him as well yeah i've been using i've been using the ui for quite a while now you know to get into the races and stuff so i got used to it in case they killed the regular website and fortunately i haven't had any issues uh getting into races and stuff i did have some issues when i was using uh, open vr um i it would go to about 25 percent and i'm not having that issue with xr now so i don't know if that what that had to do with the uh ui it's definitely intermittent. I mean, I'm, it works most of the time, but man, the time it doesn't work, it hurts. Yeah, especially when you're when you're losing at losing I rating points. It's just absurd to replace a good product with something not as good. Plain and simple. <laughs> That's how Verizon does it at work. Where I work, they uh, they give out new uh, systems for us to use that are supposed to be enhanced. Well, guess why? They're, those are the same way. They're not enhanced. They're actually worse than what we currently have. They're, they're slower. They take more mouse clicks. They take more time. They're not as efficient. Um, and so, yeah, it boggles the mind. Well, you know, it's interesting. The, uh, you know, the first, the beta UI they came out with was actually, I think it was made for a VR because it actually worked in VR headsets. And then I think they scrapped that as they realized that not everybody was going to go to uh, using VR. When they first launched the beta UI, my graphics card would kick in like the sim launched and fans on high and, you know, everything, the, the computer was getting hot just running the beta UI. But they they fixed that. Obviously, it doesn't have the load that it used to. Um, so there's been a lot of things that have been fixed. And like I said, most of the time it's working. But, man, they got some work to do in just a short three months. This next one's right up my alley. And I've had this happen to me before. Um, what happens in multi-class racing whenever we're coming to a start is this, the groups like to leave a gap to each other because when you're in your first lap or two and everybody's too wide, the classes are not going to be going as fast. And so you can kind of get caught up with the rear of the, the of the faster class and it can cause a little mayhem. Problem is people don't wait till the green to go in the road course races, especially even though the sporting code actually says the second and third class need to wait for the green, they start going early. And so what happened what happens here is the it looks like the LMDH class waited on the green and the LMP2s decided we're going early and they ran into the LMDHs who hadn't even started yet. Yeah, this was uh, posted by Dan Suzuki. He, uh, you know, he's a good follow. Um, 
and it's crazy just watching him. He's just going pace speed, you know, 50 miles an hour or something. And these cars just plow into him at full speed. Unbelievable. I could, I, it was, it's unreal. Yeah. It's, um, it does need to be dealt with. It's probably propensible because those, the second class is not supposed to go before the green flag. Um, but maybe if they start developing this restart zone for multi-class and make each car go when they get to a certain point, that would be great. Uh, um, it's just, uh, you're kind of just dependent on the guys in the other classes to not be idiots. And, you know, even if you process it, they're going to say, they're going to go, Nope, don't do that again. They'll never suspend somebody for this kind of stupidity, even though it's, worse than people intentionally wrecking people, quite frankly. I mean, how many pole sitters are going to know the proper procedures? How far do I hang back? When do I start going? You know, that kind of thing. I mean, that's a very unclear. When I first was presented this situation many, many years ago, when I first got uh, involved in multi-class racing, I was a little baffled. And I, I never had to be the leader, but I, I was, I've been in that second group and I was wondering, why are we backing off of the group in front of us? I didn't understand that. And, and they backed off quite a bit. And I was like, what's going on? Let's catch up. And they were doing it on purpose. And I didn't understand. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I guess people have to know. And if you don't know, you don't know. Maybe, I mean, it's buried in the sporting code. Maybe at least a splash screen that starts coming up for the, or something in the gray box that says, if, if you're, uh, a slower class wait on the green, um, you know, just like, another way to get the message out to him. Cause yeah, a lot of people just don't know. This, that window that, that is on your screen that says wait behind the pace or stay behind the pace car or whatever that men, maybe they add something to that. If you're in that second group or yep, something, that know? little gray box, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah. It does need to be addressed. Uh, hopefully they're paying attention to it. All right, Brian, this one's up your alley. How about uh, we got some World of Outlaw week three? Yeah, so uh, Monday night was week three of the World of Outlaws uh, um, iRacing series prevent, uh, present, presented by CarQuest. Um, it was uh, held at Williams Grove Speedway, and we had a winner for the second week in a row. Uh, um, Hayden Cardwell took the victory. Um, there was really not a whole lot of doubt in the race. Um, Towards the end, uh, he, he he was starting to get run down by his second place car, Braden Eiler, um, but um, he was able to hold on fairly fairly well to get his uh, win. It was a it was pretty much a uh, start to finish victory for Hayden. He he'd never lost the lead at all. He won the pole position um, and won his first heat, and it was pretty much over at that point. Now there was some drama because uh, uh, Alex Bergeron, who was the leader in points coming the week three he had the second worst qualifying of anybody so he started in eighth place in the heat he needed to get up to fourth in order to be able to make the the uh make the feature and uh he got lucky because there was about a four car wreck in his heat and he was able to warm his way up and uh, finish p3 in in that heat that he was in and wound up doing a good job in the feature finishing p4 to really uh, save a lot of points that he could have lost in this in this uh, after this race. So uh, second place was uh, like I said it was uh, Braden Eiler and Timothy Timothy Smith uh, finished third. Um, and uh, so actually, with that finish, Alex Bergeron actually um, 
gained more points in his championship race. He's uh, he's now up by uh, like 40, 40, 47 points uh, over Timothy Smith in second, J.D. Brown in third. Um, Hayden, Hayden Cardwell, despite having two wins now, two out of three wins for the season, he is actually in P6 in the points race because his first week at Volusia was uh, he wrecked out and didn't get any points. So he's it's not not unheard of him uh, heard of for him to uh, come back from a, a lot of points to uh, to um, make make a run for a championship despite having a bad result here and there. So uh, congratulations to Hayden for his second win. A <clears throat> um, couple other things to note on this series before we go to w- week four next week. Um, they actually rearranged the schedule with the release of Lincoln Speedway. They actually put Lincoln on the schedule for next week, and they actually removed Bristol Dirt from this from the championship series. So Bristol Dirt is not going to be part of this series um, this year. So uh, that's a new update. And one last thing before we get to our next topic, which actually kind of ties in, is that um, Braden Eiler, who finished second, who was trying to run Hayden down towards the end of the race, runs VR. And in the post-race interview, he said, my VR frame rates were dropping a lot while I was racing and trying to catch Hayden. And when you run in that close, uh, the, the, the racing line to be fast at that track was right up against the wall. And you had to be so precise to keep it, to keep your car off the wall and keep fast. When you're having frame rate drops like he did, he said that that actually cost him some time on the track where he was not able to um, be as precise as he needed to be. He might have hit the wall more than he wanted to because his frame frame rate drops. And he mentioned that he's uh, he's had that problem ever since uh, this last uh, build. So this was Monday before any of the patches came out this week. So, um, so yeah, so going into our next story, uh, keep in mind that uh, it, it may have uh, affected one of the drivers' chance to uh, possibly get a win in, in the uh, World Outlaw Series. Brian, the other thing is Kyle Larson's been talking up his new Dirt Series high limit racing, um, and and I I don't know what the I don't I don't I'm not follow Dirt close enough to really know what's going on, but I think he's trying to take on the World of Outlaws here or. Uh, take their drivers or something, right? Yeah, um, there's a couple other high-level series. Um, Tony Stewart runs the uh, All-Star Series, which is also a traveling series like the World Outlaws. They go to different local tracks and um, and compete in those. But um, And they do get some really good drivers in the All-Star race. So it's not, not unheard of to have competitive series out there for, for dirt. And, uh, you know, when you got Kyle's name behind it, you know, and, and everything that he brings to the table, you know, you might be able to pull some drivers out of these other top series um, to uh, to join and, uh, and and make his 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 new series uh, pretty competitive. Well, you know, any type of racing is healthy if uh, you got several series coming after the same drivers instead of, it, right. you know, uh, a situation where you're hoping you can get field fillers. You just don't want too many divisions because then it gets diluted. Like up here in, in the north, we have like five or six different series of modifieds. And sometimes it gets a little strung out. Um, the races they get, the car count hurts. And there's too many series. All right. Well, let's go ahead and jump right onto that topic that you brought up, Brian, about the 22 pages of frustration. Well, yeah, many people, I'll jump on this one. Many people or in the forums uh, talking about it. Last I looked, it was 22 pages. Um, and so, like I said, there was a hot fix put out today. 
uh, to it. It said the hotfix was to address anyone that was having open VR issues launching. But I don't know if it addressed these 22 pages of restoration. I think we've covered this already, but uh, yeah, let's move on. And that was hotfix number two that was released, I guess it was today, right? Early today, right? And then interestingly, they went back down for downtime. Is that do we have that later on the on the script? So what ha- so the one I just mentioned was when they went back down. So this is the one they did earlier, and this one was to to fix the VR as well. So so they tried to fix it early once, then they they did it again. So I don't know, is it fixed? I don't know because it just happened. Yeah, the other one's hot fix three, and it says a. Uh, fixed a critical crash error during initialization of open vr and then visual effects visual effects it says fixed an issue with low resolution particles appearing to draw over cars and other objects on medium quality rendering was selected for use so that was one later in the day at 12:03 p.m which i did get to do the test drive i, I mentioned the lotus 49 at the nord uh, i really wanted to test drive the the formula one w13 Guess what? It wasn't in the list. I was a little surprised. I thought you could test any car that you didn't own, but apparently not. Yeah, Tony Rochette chimed in in team chat and said they usually hold the brand new cars off the first time around. So did when this first hot fix came out, is that when everybody started had the launching issues and then they had to release the second one? Because the right. first one, the first hot fix was really just for the graphics and rendering um, in VR, which is, you know, the frame rate drops that they're trying to fix. And then uh, I guess I guess they sent that one out. And then they started having problems where people were not able to get into the sessions at all. And then they had come out real quick for another another fix. Yeah. That's it. Well, it's it's pretty prompt uh, fixing, though. That's uh, you know, bugs happen. I'm glad to see they they responded as fast as they could on it. Yeah, well done. So we'll see. Well, we'll we'll know more later. So how do you uh, go from first or last to first in two laps at Dega? Well, usually with a lot of help. Uh, I, I gave this video a watch, and you know, the, this guy starts all the way in the back. He makes some good moves to get about mid pack, and then and then there's death in the pack and he's one of the three survivors and then carry it on from there i mean he was smart to stay low i mean he saw that there was going to be death in the pack as you call it and he went way low to to, to miss it all i mean he went way down there yeah and then on the final lap it, it he was uh, a third in line and got a good run and the second in line went low he went high and the the leader the, or the the former leader just couldn't block either one of them. He had no choice. Well, and you get stuck in the middle, you get kind of sucked back a little bit. And yeah, he had momentum, just ran, went around on the outside. Nice uh, little video. And that, at that, Parker. Yeah, it was, it, was, it was Parker White was the driver. At Parker W95 on Twitter. All right. So it's a, it's not hardware yet, but we have the Sim Cave review. Uh, who, who threw this one up? Steve, did you find this one? Nope, not me. We have a cut. I did. I, I got a couple different. This isn't really a rig review, but a, a sim cave review or a room review. Um, so Daniel Morad, who's a, I think an IMSA driver, uh, he shows off his uh, really nice sim cave. Um, and we also have a uh, show off by Shane Van Gisbergen, who I believe is one of the super 
supercar championship in Australia this year. Um, what do you think of Daniel's setup? I mean, it's pretty nice. He's got his helmets on display. He's got his rig. It's all set up for video. He's got a lighting system. He's got blackout curtains. He's got a regular desk, you know, to do his, uh, you know, editing or streaming or whatever. Uh, pretty nice. It probably looks like his room, right? <laughs> or some neon lights, you know, to kind of, uh, you know, light up the rig. He's got some under lights under it, you know, with some red. I like and the then the second the one. Good idea. That is nice, isn't it? And then the second rig is the Shane Van Gisbergen. And uh, he has a, a more, you know, he doesn't have the, the fancy lights or anything. He does look like he's got a separate room for his rig. And he's got a really nice, uh, I think it looks like a 55-inch TV. Is that he's a trophy -Cube or a tuba next to the monitor? Looks like a trophy. He's got the Jinx shifters, the tri shifters. Uh, I see. He's got a SimLab seat. I can't tell what the cockpit is. So he's he's set up. You'll notice he's set up with a shifter on the left. Yeah, his brakes and everything. Unless it just mirrored wrong, because it looks of like iPhone or whatever driving the Holden. So maybe that's why. Ah, yeah. Um. So he's Aussie. Down in, and um, so those other two adjustments are for Robar, I believe, right? The blue and red. That's those cool looking jinx shifters. I, I, they're, I think they're brakes, handbrakes, or shifters, or both. One is the handbrake, and then one is the sequential, and then the other two actually adjust your Robars. Pretty cool. Uh, I, I recommended uh, Donnie to look at the jinx shifter. Or no, who was it? It was Brian, I think. Brian, you were looking at a shifter. And I told you to look at the Jinx. Yeah, I was looking at the BDH uh, shifter. Oh, yeah, the nice one from England. All right, Brian, did you take the red pill or the blue pill? Um, I took the blue pill. Um, this is a video posted by Alex Horn. Uh, it was on Twitter, and it shows off some of the new DT, GT damage model in this really cool video where um, these cars, they just come crash, you know, a bunch of cars just come crash into a dead stop against the wall, which is neat enough. But what he did was he paused, um, paused the wreck in mid-wreck and just kind of move the camera around and all of the particles that are flying through the air he kind of some neat some neat music accompanied it and uh he's just following around the different parts of the crash while all this debris is just suspended in midair as he's flowing through it kind of gave it like a matrix type effect even what i really thought of when i saw this was like the opening scene of deadpool when those cars are crashing on the freeway and the credits are rolling and and you just go through all this carnage as the as the music's playing kind of reminded me quite a bit of like that uh really cool and you know i've never seen so many different particles uh, involved in and in, in wrecks like this in iRacing it's pretty neat to see the music was from the matrix okay well i liked it i like the deadpool reference better <laughs> now coincidentally i actually did a short video to in our chat our team chat of particles uh, while the wreck was paused because I thought it looked freaking cool. I noticed it as well. Uh, when I was watching a replay of my wreck, I, I ended up pausing it right as it hit the wall 
and watching, uh, you know, I wanted to, I, I, and I actually zoomed in to see what was it that was flying off the car. Does it, it kind of looked like it was a nut or a bolt or something. But when you see the video, they're actually just little small squares and stuff. But when it's, it's going in full motion and everything, it, you can't tell what it is, but it looks very realistic. I mean, it's like dirt and debris and parts off the car and that kind of thing. All right, this one, we could probably go round table on this one. Everybody, what was your favorite moment of the year as iRacing has asked on Facebook? I'll go first. Uh, I answered on Facebook uh, my four NIS wins this year. Um, so I put up a graphic that showed I won at the Phoenix uh, finale. I won at the Charlotte Roval, a road course, uh, the new Atlanta and the Bristol dirt. So uh, several unique wins. They all mean something important to me, and I'm glad to get them. Kind of the same thing, the uh, the Phoenix win, where I, where I had been behind and slower on the long run the whole race and basically made a pass in the last 10 laps after 400 laps to take the victory. That one was pretty exciting. Other listeners, Tony Rochette said Daytona 500 win. I see Denver Turgeson. He said, uh, December 20th, when I finished my suspension. Yikes. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> Maybe David's will be when he gets off uh, probation off of chat. You know, you'd be surprised. It's actually been kind of nice. I have really not had a problem with it. I tried um, just turning off voice chat in general on here a couple months ago for like a week, and it was pretty nice. Used to be able to focus on driving, not listen to people bickering. You bring it up, and I, I could have brought this up maybe in final thoughts, but at, at really this time has has just like even in the league race with the winter series, they're giving me my chat back. But I've I get I've got caught up in some incidents, and I've just kept my mouth shut and waited to see after till afterwards, and even kind of, even relatively stayed calm because I'm not venting. And things have kind of like this league race. Like I look out and they've worked out in my advantage. We'll talk about that more later. But um, we'll see if I keep the lesson learned because it's really just hard not to yell at somebody when, you, when, when they've done something stupid. But I have learned if it's a gray area to just not even ask and just wait until I can see it later. I, I yelled at somebody in the league race last night. I um had a super late model race at Bristol and I got spun out, took tires halfway through the race and got up to the inside of third place. And he got loose with 15 to go on my outside and hooked me right rear in the wall. And, uh, I, I screamed at him. So I probably need mine muted sometimes. All right. So Steve, what has happened to the street stocks with licenses? Uh, Paul Kuzmersik, Kuzmerik, Asked the forum, street stock rookies now open to all licenses. Staffer Tyler Hudson replied, we plan on opening it up for the 2023 season one, which is now. This has always been open for road and dirt road and used to be on ovals. We would like to get the rookie series consistent across the different license classes. And so we'll, we will do that for this upcoming season, which is now. Seems to make sense. Um, 
at your own risk with your I rating when you go into those short races, <laughs> though the split sizes are really small too. So if you are up high in the I rating, you're not going to be racing rookies. That's a good point. I was debating this earlier today and I put out in the chat, should I do it? And Tony Grove said, no way you're just going to get wrecked uh, in, you know, immediately and give up all your I ratings. So I didn't actually do it. I'm still debating if I'm going to do it or not. I I'm probably going to try it once just to see what happens. Well, you don't have biggest thing is you don't you don't have cautious to kind of regroup things when things get stupid. In the same way that it goes with road races, but it, at least in the lo longer races, you have time to kind of gain some of your stuff back if something goes a little wrong. Yeah, I'm just curious what people are running this. Are they, you know they just opened it up, so. Um, it's not widely publicized really. Uh, and so that's why we're talking about it, but you know, well, people that are above 4,000 I rating jump in these races, you know, I don't know. Someone might, if they want to go down and farm. Well, that's what I'm thinking. Is this a new way to farm? So you might see me in there within the next week. I'm going to try it once and just see what happens. See who shows up. There was a great video on YouTube by a, a DJ VJ, DJ VJ, and he said, iRacing just changed rookie street stocks forever. And he talked about some of the reasons he thinks uh, it's a good idea. Um, you know, he just, he thinks it'll help the rookies that are in the rookie class by being able to uh, race with actual drivers that have skill and higher I rating. He thinks that's going to end up giving them a better skill base as they come out of rookie license. That was his basic uh, premise of his video. And it might clean, like you say, the guy was explaining, it might clean up some of the lower series as people come up through not causing mayhem as much. Right. Well, how big are sorry how big are those fields in in street stock because i know it's only like 12 cars in the mazdas it's a max of 14 and a minimum of six but uh, yeah. say you don't get like um say you get like 19 cars that'll probably do like 19 because it won't split it does that in um late models on here it'll split at like 10 um and no it'll split at 20 but if you have like 19 cars it'll do a full field of 19. Well, there's max size and there's split size, and they're not always the same. See, I, I would like it if it was 19. I don't think I would like it if it was 12 or 14. I'm, I'm picky like that. All right. We've got a new uh, organization, it looks like, called Screen to Speed. Brian? Yeah, this looks like it's a uh, organization that might be designed for um, women drivers. Um, has a, a verification page with uh, rules and regulations that you have to read through in order to qualify this. But it, but it uh, specifically says it screen to speed aims to give representation to women or when, or individuals who identify as women in sim racing, esports, and motorsports. So the goal is to create critical mass community to provide opportunities for females in this space. So aliens are welcome. If there's any alien women out 
there who are, are driving. Um, and they encourage everyone to participate as spectators and supporters, but only women or individuals who publicly identify as women. So you can't just pretend like you're a woman. You have to have it in public somehow. And I guess you have to prove that some way. I'm not sure how that works at all. But uh, yeah, so uh, it's a, it seems like it's a new uh, new uh, way to uh, race with uh, with people. Um, and they have a Discord uh, channel that you can check out to uh, get added to and, and go from there. This is sponsored by Pinsoil. And I, this is not publicized as far as I know. Um, I stumbled across this under Time Attack. I clicked into the Beta UI Time Attack, and it was the first box listed. I clicked on it, and it mentioned screen to speed. And so I went to their website, and I found screentospeed.com. Uh, the prizes, 15000 cash, a trip to the live show, pro-level racing simulator, a live Porsche track day, VIP passes to the Kelly Moss IMSA race with full hospitality, and ask me anything with a professional female racer, an event t-shirt, poster, sticker, gaming equipment. I bet you see like Abby Rabbit or whatever her name is around us. I'm I'm just letting all of you know I identify as a woman from today forward. Well, my last name is Jocelyn, so that's a girl's name, so I can run this right. Are you gonna let the hair grow out, Steve? Or it is. Look. Uh, okay. Look, if you're female iRacer, this is a no-brainer. I mean, how many female iRacers are there to start with? That's one number. There's enough that they can fill a field. I can tell you that because there's some really good ones in NIS. Right, but how many know about this and will actually register and show up and do it? It's going to be a handful of people at the end of the day that are going for these prizes, I bet. I, I would jump all over this because the of how many people uh, are really going to do it. Just that one girl who who does uh who streams and she's really good road racer. She was in Maria. those. Uh, I think the first time it's Maria, but I can't. It, it's she's German yeah. or some Central European. Um, and yeah, she's, she's yeah Holland she's Holland really or something like that. Yeah, she's really good. So there's some really good ones out there, and. I mean that's a that's a serious prize pool there. Um, that's some seriously worth considering. Um, so yeah, absolutely. That's a good that's a good deal. Yeah, I, it doesn't say here when it starts, but on the in the beta UI, I think it said like January thirteenth or something. Maybe we can get uh, Tony Gross voice to get back into it to, for something like that. There's some good prizes, man. Uh, 15,000 cash. I mean, a, a brand new sim rig, uh, IMSA race. I mean, wow. Well, y'all get on that. And uh, maybe even some of the, the ladies that are doing a lot of the real racing too, but are pretty active in the sim should, should look at this. It's any opportunity to get more notoriety and income is good. But we're going to move on to the next question is, has the force feedback changed? What do you guys think? John Owens was asking about it in the forums. He said that something seems to change, and Tyler Hudson has been engaging in the thread to work through what people are saying. I think I it's David Tucker. Yeah, not Tyler. Yeah, I went through. Yeah, I changed that. Sorry. I went through and read quite a few of these, and uh, there's some people that think have changed, but David Tucker said nothing changed. Basically, they they just made it for uh, safety safety reasons. 
Um, like you said last week, they raised it to, uh, what was it, the filter up to 15%, Mike? Smoothing, which is a, really a low-pass filter um, at 15%. Yeah, and then you can move it back to zero if you don't want it. So, but what this thread is, David, I mean, I mean, uh, there were people saying that it still feels different, okay, regardless of that. And so I actually, if you see, I posted in this thread somewhere and tagged David Tucker, and I asked him, do we have a problem? And this is what he said. He said, okay, I found a bug, but it was simple uh, sign unsigned issue that I introduced when rearranging code for an upcoming project. I just patched it up, and it works so much better now. This also affects the auto button. So if you've been hitting auto and finding the forces are clipping, then this is the issue. Now that I have all this instrumented up, I'm going to spend some time testing it and make sure it's doing what it should. But I will try to get this submitted for the patch by tomorrow night uh, so you can get the fix sometime this week. So I don't know. I didn't see in the release notes that this was put out. So I still presume it's not there. Well, there you go. Something has changed. Another thing that has changed over the years is how the car drives. And as styles change, it tends to suit certain driver styles and other driver styles less, right? And that's what we've probably seen happen with Ray Alfala as for the first time, he is not going to make the Coke series. You're not points. He came out so with a tweet uh, describing why. And I'll read it and then we'll discuss. Uh, it says... The current tire does not reward driving at the limit of grip, which is where I won as many championships as you have career top fives in Coke. It's on me for not adapting. But these tires reward not how fast to go, not who can go fast. There's way too much tire saving at the moment. So what do you think? Well, the Ray describes it as knowing how fast to go, not how to go fast. Um, I don't know. Because I don't feel like tire management is as big of a deal now as it used to be. But I think what he's saying right now is that in their testing, they've, they've, they basically established where the limit is and, and go there, and they never really have to worry about handling. That part is true. You don't have to worry about the handling. But I don't know if, um, if really tire saving is, is bringing in the winner every time. I think it's the way the car handles, you know, I mean, Ray was really, really good in, in the old car that wasn't, um, you know, pack racing. He, I mean, you know, the car was so hard to drive back, you know, f before they had the low downforce car, the car before the, the next gen car. Um, it was really fun to drive. And, you know, I mean, now it's, I think the cars in ways is a lot easier to drive than it used to be. I think that's probably why he's had to change, try to change his driving style. Yeah. And that is, I think the biggest difference too. And it's affected real drivers too. Um, you just don't have to drive it with the throttle now. And uh, this car, not not so much in the sim as in real life. In real life, this car, it, there's only push loose. You can not get up and get get a car in front of you. You can't take the air off the spoiler. It just doesn't work. I mean, you know, their their diffuser does more than their spoiler anyway. This car too is it's it's harder to 
feel. I still I still don't know what the car's doing all the time. The old car I I, I did before they had the the low downforce car, but the steering um, just feels numb. Yeah, and it doesn't want to stop. I mean, two deficits. <laughs> Well, it'll be interesting Coke season without Ray Alfala for the first time uh, in a long, in as far as I know. Yeah, no old guy to root for now. <laughs> so who's the next oldest guy in Coke? I'll have to figure out who that is. Well, it, a lot of them have been run out by getting hired by iRacing. Oh, we're racing with one, huh? On Monday nights. <laughs> That'll be fun to talk about. He had, he, uh, it, that uh, that's the first time I've really heard him mad, and it was at the sim too. It was pretty entertaining. Next thing we do have though is the iRacing damage model video from iRacing, which is featuring the damage model on all the IMSA cars. More eye candy. Lots of good wrecks just to show you what this damage model is all about. Like I said, if you look closely at it and watch some replays, you're gonna love it. And this is how particularly prototype cars happen. They have have the front fender and the rear fender are pretty much almost replaceable parts. And those are popping off whenever they hit walls. Yeah. The body work coming off, like you said, in the right places that makes sense. But the GT cars that you don't really see all the body parts coming off as much. Bodies on the GT cars are probably a lot more, sturdy well and, and they're more like actual cars rather than sheet sheet metal thrown over the frame or or fiberglass thrown over the frame they don't have the replaceable clips like like the prototypes do you can um if you get wing da- arrow damage on the prototype in, in a race and and don't take any suspension damage they almost in the time of a pit a regular pit stop, they can swap the nose and, and you're fixed completely. They can literally just, pull, you know, completely rip off the whole body work and they've got a spare ready to pop on. Well, I, you know, you got to say now that they've got it on multi-class, the damage model, you know, you, you almost want to say that, is it fully deployed? You know, is the damage model fully deployed? I don't think it's fully deployed. There's certainly cars out there, uh, vintage cars and stuff that don't have the damage model yet, but the majority of you know the active series, I think, are all have damage model now. If at not least all the, at least the most popular ones. The popular ones, right? I'm pretty sure that WEC and IMSA are actually kind of the biggest biggest cars that on the service, at least what I go to and what I see, they have the biggest numbers. Now I don't mess around with B open and C open to see if they have better numbers than a open. But, um, some of the IMSA races are just uh, in prime time American time zone or three or 400 people, more people than are showing up for NIS. COVID effect. And more graphic effects, where you've got a video featuring the tire canvassing effect. Yeah. Lou two race posted up on the TikTok. Uh, video of him doing donuts in the W12. Maybe it's the W13. I don't know. I found it interesting that you see the wear on the tire as he's doing the donut, and the rubber's coming off, but it's it's coming off the middle and the inner shoulder. Uh, it, so that it obviously the tire has camber in it. Uh, that left side of the tire it doesn't have any wear, right, Adam? Yeah, the outside of the tire. 
it's probably yeah the tires probably cambered in so that's why the inside's wearing out yeah because it's gonna when it once it's under load you're gonna have that it's gonna be more flat you see that on my go-kart tires the outside the right front is barely used like you could probably flip a tire on the wheel and run the tire backwards i remember watching formula one races back in the day where they would come in for a pit stop and 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 their tires were blistered where they kind of look like this so i guess this is the same effect all right it's uh that wraps the topics we can jump into a couple of events the first one these are kind of rehits of last week we have the chili bowl coming up again it's ongoing this brian week. yeah there are uh, they're going through the super sessions uh, right now um, up until the 18th. So um, I think uh, you can still have a chance to get into some of these super sessions. And then um, then you'll reverse your, your advance to the uh, to the next uh, set of races, which will be uh, coming up on the weekend. So, um, yeah, I think you can still probably get some um, get some results in here and possibly make it. Um, but uh, I think it's going to be pretty tough at this point. And then they'll go through um, all the different uh, uh, alphabet soup of uh, of main main events. You know, starting with the E and going down to the A to uh, eliminate everybody until you get to the to the championship race, which is uh, coming up this weekend. So. Well, on getting in, super sessions are set, are based on points throughout the week, right? Yes. Okay. So, it, for four races, just just to rehash how how your points work in any in any league or any official series, up to four races, you get your best one race. Once you hit five races, it averages your best two. Nine races, it averages your best three. So, consider that in thinking about how. If you're going to have bad races, or you're mostly having good races, if if you want to keep trying to push that point up, or stick with what you've got, if you're really trying to point race, we used to chase that when I back in the day. You know, I would decide if oh, I'm going to do one out of four, or I'm going to I'm going to go with two out of five, and I would look at the points carefully before I did that fifth start. Nowadays, I don't even care. I just if I do want to do a fifth start, I just do it. Yeah, I'm the same way with the road races because some some weeks I may run a bunch, some I'm not, and I don't I don't even look at where I am in the in the points because I'd just rather run the races to pass the time waiting on the next oval race to come up, the next NIS right. race or something. And yeah, you find other things that are more valuable, right? <laughs> yeah, for the off season, I've just mostly been playing on the road anyway. And then other than the Chili Bowl, which is kind of really the last 2022 event, we do have some of the 2023 calendar posted. Have a look at that uh, one, Steve. Yep, it looks like uh, with some of the partnerships still being finalized, the 2023 special events, we're going to go ahead and release the details for our January and February events while we finalize the rest of the calendar. So it looks like uh, looks like they posted the, the vehicles for the ROAR. Um, they've got GT4 class, which is Aston Martin Vintage GT4, BMW M4 GT4, Mercedes AMG GT4, and the Porsche 718 Cayenne GT4 Club Sport. That's uh, four weeks from now. So that's uh, January 13th through the 15th. Five weeks from now is the 24 itself. So five weeks, guys. That's coming up. Not too too shabby. Now on the downshift today, they actually also announced that they've got the Sebring set. 
they 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 kind of fussed at themselves for announcing it on the podcast instead of somewhere else. But they went ahead and dropped dropped word that this that the Sebring Twelve is set. I didn't. I don't think he gave a date or anything, but they have it all set. They were talking about. They kind of dropped it when they were talking about the artwork updates at Sebring. The only other thing. Yeah, Oh, sorry. The only other thing on there is the Daytona 500 and the Bothurst, which is all GT cars at Mount Panorama. So we've all heard about these aliens who can drive on like a Logitech and and win pro races, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But let's talk about average drivers and the difference pedals can actually make. Pedals are the biggest difference for the average Joes, and I've seen it every time I've upgraded. I really do feel like I go faster now with my Sim Coach hydraulic pedals. Um, my old pedals, even as good as they were, when we had a long road race in an oval car, because of the fact that I was having to really modulate how hard I was pressing the pedal with both sides of my my muscle legs, quads and and hamstring, my knee would actually be hurting at the end of the, the race, just, just from all that repetitive stress. And I don't get that anymore. I can run these long races, and it's, the pedal just always pushes back. All I have to do to modulate and control my my throttle or my brake shape is relax how hard I'm pushing down. I don't really ever have to pull the pedal back up to get a, a mid-level braking. It's so nice. Uh, can't strongly enough recommend how these pedals feel. And when you push against these brakes, you just feel like they are real. I just feel like my car feels when I push a real car. They feel like real parts. And on, on top of all that, you cannot get better customer service than you get at Sim Coaches. Lawrence is almost always available to text or message. And he's on his paying attention to his Discord. And, and it, I mean, when I bought my pedals, my V3s broke. Um, they lasted a long time, so you know they were they were well past their warranty. I got my money's worth on them, but the V3s broke, and I, he answered off of his website and sold me a pair off the shelf uh, at like 11 o'clock on a on a weekend night. I mean that that is unheard of. So awesome customer service the pedals feel real they are the best value don't forget you can put in iRacers Lounge on the website and get 10% off nobody else has that deal go get you some sim coaches today Hey, podcast housekeeping, don't forget to leave us a review of your favorite on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for other listeners to find us. Mention the podcast to the fellow to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get involved on our Discord and you'll get in the conversation. And don't forget the website iracerslounge.com. We are in regular rotation over at the Performance Motorsports Network and the sim racing channel on roku tv living large or strapped for cash it's all good at metro ford chicago metro ford delivers to you whether you're looking for a new or used car we have over 160 vehicles in stock good credit no credit 
doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 35 years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right, Hardware Software is presented by Metro Ford, and it's also kind of, sort of, not officially presented by SemiCube, right? Because we got a lot. We didn't. We we had these last week ready, but we just with the patch, we did not get to talk about them much. So the first thing we're going to hit, Steve, and this is kind of you're really one of the one who's been fishing in this and looking at us. So tell us a little bit more on these active pedals. Yeah, there's been quite a bit of uh, communication, especially on uh, SimuCube's Discord channel, lots of videos of uh, guys that tried the pedals out at the uh, Sim Racing Expo here a few weeks ago. And uh, if you go to our show notes, you can actually watch the videos. Um, there's a pretty good one um, with uh, a couple of people trying the pedals um, that we have videos on. And also Dan Suzuki, um, they show him. He's got a quick video uh, from Twitter trying the trying the pedals out, and uh, everybody seems to think that you know they might be a little steep, but being the first ones out with this type of technology, um, the way they're able to set them up, that uh, that they're probably worth it, and they're gonna. It seems like Simi Cubes going to start getting specs from all the major race cars teams on uh, on the pedals so they can actually match them up exactly to what the real pedals feel like which i think is uh is really interesting so um it's it's definitely worth a, a read to go through all these show notes we could spend a long time on these and it's a lot of reading but basically everybody came kind of to the same conclusion yeah, it's, quote, I'll read. It's all a bunch of, okay, you're going to read from Marco? Is that the one you're going to read? No, I'm going to read Dan Suzuki. He said, uh, wow, very unique feeling. The effects are great and super immersive. Price is very steep, but it's also a completely new approach. Highly recommend trying them before you judge by the price. Yeah, and they're still sticker shock. Right, but I can remember a time before I even bought the Fanatex when I never thought I would have bought the hydraulic pedals at the price I bought them. So, uh, but bang for buck, we'll see. And the next thing that we do have is uh, Marco from SimuCube discusses the pricing and um, says that he, he basically has read every thought kind of, i'm gonna this is a long quote i'm gonna just sum it up he thinks he knows the price was a shock for many but it's it's this an expect, exceptional piece of gear that can be that they can sell sell and they they think they're in the right area and ultimately what is something worth it's what will people pay so if they're making money off of it they've got the right price and they'll last forever yeah, and being software driven i mean there's no reason you know, they're not completely upgradable with all the with the software consistently getting different data from the different sim software. And it does open up a lot of options, right? Uh, and it supposedly you don't have to do any maintenance. There's no there's no fluids or anything involved. It's, so it's, uh, 
it's all basically no maintenance. Yeah, they're just they look like actuators. So they, they you know they should last a long time, and you can get all the vibration everything from the actuators. Ryan, so are you trying to, yeah, there you go. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a lot of people are looking at this in, in different ways. Um, you know, this might, this is obviously not made for every budget sim racer, you know, without, without saying, you know, it's just, they're very, they are expensive, but you know, it's, if, if there's a market for it and it proves to be something that uh, people are willing to pay who, who have the ability to pay for it, they'll sell. Um, you know, you got people with hundred thousand dollar rigs. You know, who who probably would think this is, uh, you know, well worth the price. But you know, there's other guys who who are just running on Logitechs and and laptop screens who think that this would not be, you know, not be for them. You know, they make Ferraris because there are people who buy Ferraris. You know, not everybody can afford one. Everybody wants one, and I think that's where the sticker shock came in. It's like everybody saw what these things can do, and they're like, "This sounds awesome. I'd love to get a set." And then when the price came out, they realized it's a Ferrari and not a Ford. So. You know, you can't just. Not every person's gonna be able to afford one, and I think that's where some of the, uh, some of this uh, came from. Well, I think a lot of people, you know, like you and I, Brian. I mean, we've spent a lot of money on our rigs, and it's not they haven't made us any faster, but it's the immersion that's there. That you know, especially with the VR and the motion and the rumble, it 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 makes you think that you're in a real car. And I think that's that's where, you know, you want maybe you want to spend the money on on these type of pedals. I never thought I'd spend this kind of money on on a playing a playing a racing game. I mean, I thought I was spending a lot when I went with the G27 wheel hooked to my desk. I have to contest the point, though, that it hadn't made us faster because I, I can tell you right now, those hydraulic pedals have made me faster because I'm I'm. I'm not that guy who, who can race pro races in an Logitech. And so having the extra feel and the ability to use the pressure in, uh, of the hydraulic pedals and having the stability of the racing rig and the force feedback is actually, I've actually, every time I've up upgraded something, I've seen improvements in lap times and ability to get in and out of corners. Well, I, I agree with you. I think, I think VR and pedals were probably the best two upgrades I ever made. You know, as far as going with a motion rig and, and direct drive wheel, I don't think those, I think those actually hampered me. I mean, I was faster with my G27 wheel hooked to a desk with VR and, and decent pedals than I am now. Just trying to get, get used to everything still. Yeah, rig pedals are the, are the first, first two most important things. Another another thing is that um, it might not show up in lap it might not show up in lap times, but the ability to feel the car with different some of this stuff is is really important. When I first started iRacing, you know, I was spinning out all the time, and it was because I didn't tell when I was losing traction. You didn't have the kind of feedback from uh, from different devices like butt kickers or, or anything like that that give you the feel of when your car is losing traction. It was all just visual, and some sometimes it doesn't compute quite as well as it does when you're um, when you have uh, haptics feedback in different different ways to to help you understand what the car is doing. So even though even if you're even if you're 
lap times didn't increase that much, you know, you might not, you might've saved a couple of spins that you might not have saved before you had these, this, this feedback. Which means better chances of finishing that Daytona 24, right? Or just any race. So better finishes, even if you're not necessarily that much faster. So I'm going to throw out an opinion on these pedals. Do it, but wait a year. Why? Let the ecosystem build. What do I mean when I say ecosystem? Well, I can imagine in the next year, as, as these get out there, people will develop uh, profiles of certain cars, braking profiles that can be loaded up. And wouldn't it be cool to have these pedals and, okay, I'm going to run the Lambo today, and I hit the Lambo brakes, and, and I load up a profile that perfectly matches the Lambo brakes, you know, or you know, next I'll do the F1 car and it puts in the right brakes for that. And I'm sure the community will build those as time goes. Now we already have those kind of profiles in the SimiCube Pro 2 uh, wheelbase. Uh, and there's an online system where you can go and look up these profiles and download them and use them quickly and easily. And I'm sure that active brakes is going to have a similar some system. And so if you buy them now, you're not going to have the advantage of what the community is going to build between now and a year from now. So I like it, but I say wait and let's get that ecosystem built. Two, you're probably, if we if we wait long enough, there's going to be other companies that go to copy these and maybe the prices will come down also. Good point. Yeah, that's a good point because look at like uh, the actuators like we have, Steve. A D-Box actuator system like that is... 15 grand <laughs> as opposed to uh, as opposed uh, to what we wound up getting which was considerably less so uh, it, it might have some fidelity uh, differences obviously but um, for the most part you you get the uh, you get the feel for it well, yeah and it's, you... it's so software driven too you know so srs keeps updating haptic feedback going through our actuators just like dbox does so you know that's probably going to be the same thing even if a second or third party comes up with the you know something like the active pedals i mean this this these brakes they might follow the wheelbase market where we end up with all these chinese manufacturers all of a sudden you know, the Moses and the, the Camuses of the world, the Sim Magics, you know, maybe they come up with, uh, oh, wow, you know, there's there's no intellectual uh, property concerns, you know, with China. They just take, do what they want. And uh, and maybe one of those companies will come up with a, a cheaper alternative. And maybe smaller. And maybe you're the right size. Well, continuing on the topic, but there, our next big item on the list, uh, Bino iRacing from had a uh, active pedal Discord discussion with David Tucker, and it's pretty. It kind of comes into three parts. The first part, they just kind of chatter up a little bit and talk about the potential benefits, and he mentions that he needs to. They, they they really like it, but they want to be careful not to spend all of their engineering time just setting up for these pedals until there's more of this type on the market. And then part two is just him speculating about all the different things that could be done with it. And he just comes up with a laundry list of amazing features that could be created. Which is what I already mentioned was let's have some profiles of every car. Uh, let's re reproduce chatter in the brake system or pulsing of anti-brake uh, anti lock. 
Brake fades, worn uh, clutch, ruptured brakes. Right. LFE style vibrations at your feet. Yeah, all these are just going to increase again the immersion of of what's going on with the car. I I think it's I think it's great. I think it's a real step forward. Yeah, you ever push your brakes and uh, go to the floor and do anything? That's fun. Actually, yeah, I have what's a neat? real car. Oh yeah, only from an ex girlfriend once. Obviously, David Tucker is uh, open to to working on this and expanding on it. It sounds like. But he obviously he wants to like to see like you said more manufacturers get get involved, and so that's why I'm saying wait on these. Let's see if there's another manufacturer. If we get some more manufacturers uh, involved, I'm sure iRacing will play along. But if you're Denny Hamlin, Hamlin, buy him and tell us all about it. All right, we have a video review of the Doyo R808 racing wheel, and um, this definitely makes me. It gives me very early Logitech feels, right? Yeah, yeah I think so. <laughs> oh, yo, this is a new brand I've never heard of. Uh, first time I've heard of it. So uh, it's a G27 clone, basically. Wheelbase, uh, wheel, shifter, pedals, all in one package. The biggest thing I, that caught me off guard when I first watched the very the very first video, I don't know if it was software related, but um, it really seemed like the wheel on the screen was lagging behind his wheel. I don't know if y'all noticed that, but if you watched the very beginning, that the the visual wheel on the screen, steering wheel, it just always seemed to be a little bit behind his turn. Talk about entry level. This is eighty bucks on Amazon right now. Free delivery by December 22nd in it'll stock. Work. It'll work on a Nintendo Switch. It will. PC, Xbox, P, uh, PS. Uh, this is very entry level. I mean, I don't think we've seen anything that's 80 bucks for all three, the shifter, wheel, and pedals. 80 bucks, the whole thing. It's actually a pretty good deal. Somebody wanted to try iRacing and get involved in it. Especially for younger iRacers whose interest may fade real quick. Yeah, if you have a kid, uh, you know, a preteen who, uh, you know, you want to get them a little sim set up, this would be a cheap way to do it. And the guy's review, I mean, he he didn't seem like he was too disappointed with it, especially for the price and what it was. If it works for 80 bucks, I would, I would be impressed too, you know. All right, Mr. Triples, the next one's for you. That's you, Mike. Oh, okay. I'm not the only one with triples, probably, but this one is neat. I I found this on uh, TikTok. It was advertised to me. It's called the Zbeck, and it has a it's a unique three monitor upgrade for laptops. So basically, it's a device that you slap onto the back of a laptop, and then you pull out from the device that's attached to the back of the laptop two alternate screens to the left and to the right making triples on your laptop you there's a little usb plug for each monitor you um, pull it down plug it into the usb ports uh, to power the two monitors and voila um, you have triples now can you game on the laptop with this i have no idea probably not so those are kind of they will they slide back into that case for storage yeah, they slide in and out. So, yeah, you can slide those back in and close it up. Kind of neat. 
All right, hitting up next, we've got Sim Racing Pro uh, featuring some pedals with the latest technology, according to the website, including software designed by Sim Racing Pro. Um, they're, uh, these, these are hydraulic and uh, a nice orange color on the top. They look nice. Black and orange. I love the color scheme. Uh, $1,240 for the inverted. This yeah, this, that's got to be hydraulic based on that the the look, the uh, the the brake and the brake looks really sturdy the, the way it's designed. It might be load cell. I may be rereading it, but I'm seeing tubes come out of. They may not be hydraulic. I'm gonna have to do a little more deep dig deep digging. You go to their website. They have several different uh, pedal sets. They have inverted. They have not inverted. They have the GT series. They have a GTR series. They have a Formula series wheel that has no clutch. Uh, so there's lots of different options depending on which one you want. Yeah, it says it, they're innovative pneumatic technology. Pneumatic, okay. So that's yeah, because I saw cylinders and I saw hydraulic looking equipment. So there you go. We'll have to look at reviews on this. These have been around. It's not new. We've talked about them before, but I thought I'd bring them up again. Uh, they range from euros, actually, not dollars. 740 euros is the cheaper uh, version and go as high as 1,240 euros. With they, base come in, they come in all different colors, too. Oh, you don't have to be orange? Yeah, they come in orange, red, blue, uh, green, black, and silver. And it depends on the set because some of them come up come with a lot more colors than others. Oh, I love those red ones. Wow. I'd get them red, white, and blue. That's what I would do. Oh, mix match. Yeah, that'd be nice. It's 30 extra pounds for the uh, to change the color. Those orange ones, though, match your uh, semi-cube colors, won't they? Yeah, they do. That's kind of why I like that orange, yeah. All right. Maybe we'll have time to throw in some uh, some reviews for this in the next week or so. The next thing we have is a gaming mobile tailored rig. Offered by SRRX. Very cool looking rig. .de, is that Denmark? Yes, I believe it is Denmark. And they have a website, tailoredrig.de. And what makes their uh, 80-20 style rig different than others is obviously the color. Uh, they got a very light uh, turquoise blue kind of uh, turquoise blue, I guess, uh, coloring scheme on it. Uh, and then the way that the uprights are set up is they're, they're crisscross uprights. They kind of make an X, and they have a big old plate that hooks them all together that makes it super sturdy. It's a formula-style rig. It doesn't have to be. Depends you have a what's... GT kind of version, sit-up version, yeah. Yeah, and on this on the the GT versions are uh, are more uprights for the for the stands rather than that. It's only the GT rig that has the diet the slanted pillars. I like the color of that gray one. Oh, I guess they come in three. They come all kind of different colors too. Yeah, Green, but they still red. use that triangle big triangle piece of flat metal. Yeah, so another European eighty uh, twenty rig manufacturer. Uh, if you go to the and their uh, page, stuff looks good. If you go to the, the page, like on the uh, GT, you can click on the different colors and you can see the rig in the different colors. It's pretty cool. 
So that GT one, 899 euros. And um, you can put any seat on there. So you'd probably want to, if you buy it in over here, you'd, you'll need to buy your seat here instead of shipping it. Looks like they're only, uh, what are these, 80 series? They're not a 160 series. Yeah. Good looking rigs, though. All right. Next up, we have, um, well, this first word, I don't want to try to read it. Who, who wants to take, take this Acto Racer one? Let's, I think we should hear Mike slaughter this one. I'll read it. Simulations Technic Lingnow GBMH offers you a new generation of full motion racing sims and a selection of motion sim racing centers where you can feel the car. Uh, our products have been developed, tested, and tuned by a professional team consisting of designers, racers, and IT experts. That one definitely triggered my dys- dyslexic tendencies. That that when you read it, I was like, "Oh, now I see it." When I first looked at it, I could it was crazy, couldn't make it out. Yeah, we lost the link, but I found it again here. Um, and the link is actoracer.com. And they have a rig. Uh, wow, it is something else. It's got a a tubular look to it. Uh, it's got it's got uh, like hydraulic motion uh, actuator arms attached to the back of the seat to kind of move the seat up and down, uh, kind of like a CXC from California style uh, motion rig. Uh, the other unique thing, it's got a little formula wing coming off the back of the rig to make it, I don't know, just for looks, I guess. I don't know if, what other function that would have. So would you call this an, a different kind of six directions of freedom? Because it's, it's got four pillars as well as like what looks like front and rear slip. You're, you're referring to the platform box that it's sitting on as a motion yeah. box? Yeah, it's moving as well. Wow, that's crazy. So it's got the seat mover and the four four pillars. Did you find a price? Acto, no, I didn't. You know what that means, right? Money, 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 money. Now, I think this is one of the brands that I saw at the Sim Racing Expo. That's why we have them on the script. They're from Germany, and I'm looking for the price now. Yeah, I don't see any prices. They actually rent rigs. It's contact us. I finally found a page, but yeah, they don't have a, yeah, you know what that means if they don't list the price. Leasing, leasing a rig. Have you ever heard of leasing or, or really renting a rig? It sounds like Lawrence would try something like that. Right, Lawrence? Great business idea. All right, Steve, tell us about the Thrustmaster TGT. Yeah, I watched this one. Uh, Sean Cole reviewed the Thrustmaster TGT2 review. And uh, it's a belt-driven wheel, uh, wheelbase. And uh, I guess kind of went like one of the last ones that's actually belt-driven the way he was talking about it. Um, he said it was, a, you know, it was, it was a good wheel. It's expensive, though, especially since nowadays you can get into – uh, direct drives for you know $400 from uh, both um, Fan Attack and uh, Moza. Um, so you know he said the wheel felt good. It had as like six nanometers of force to it. 
Um, but he really couldn't see why anybody would spend $800 or 899 on a, a felt-driven rail wheel. But it's fun to watch the review because he he goes through all all the explanations, all this all the software, the names, and they they're all like the TGT2, and it was kind of entertaining. Yeah, yeah. If you want a belt-driven wheel, this is the one you want to watch. But man, I think those are kind of the thing of the past. I don't see sim racers really coveting these kind of wheels. No, especially at that price. All right, a couple of quick hits before we get jump into results. We got the shift teaser coming from Sim Magic, and it's teasing a DS8X shifter. Yeah, I guess uh, this will be Sim Magic's first. I like the look of it. They just show a silhouette. Just a silhouette and a diagram, which which is indicating that it's going to go up to eight speed. Go ahead, Brian. Yeah, I was going to say this is their first uh, offering for shifters, right? Symmetrics. They're they're known now for their wheels and stuff like that, but first shifter that they've come out with. Yeah, the post does say dual shift mode. You can go sequential or eight speed. December twenty second is the official release. New price. All right, and then I, I actually did get a little bit of time to watch this video at the end of the school day after we we, we had to wrap things up a little bit early because of semester tests and stuff. Um, it's Mike from Sim Racing 604, and he reviewed this brake performance kit for the Moza SRP uh, light pedals that come with their R5 bundle. And uh, he, he mentioned it's really quick to install and actually makes the brake feel decent. He's, he said it's not going to be better than any load cell pedal but it will be the best bundle entry-level pedal you could probably get at, with this upgrade, which is only 30 bucks. Right. If you buy the R5 bundle, buy the upgrade is what he's saying. It's worth the 30 bucks. All right, Mike, tell us about your uh, NIS adventures. Enter NIS. Let's talk Friday open Charlotte. P16 did pretty good. Eventually got to the lead lap 60 and led some laps. I was running, uh, but I sucked it up when I actually got loose and spun all by my own. Uh, ended up last car on the lead lap. Uh, pretty much couldn't recover from that. Uh, I also had a, a, a exit from pit lane uh, that really sealed my fate, uh, a, a penalty. Saturday fixed, I ran, because I've been off work. Uh, wrecked out on lap nine, uh, was the, I was the first car gone. Uh, they were wrecked up in front of me and I couldn't miss it. I actually got turned sideways, uh, was stopped on the track waiting for all those cars to come around. Didn't, didn't budge, but some guy came by and T-boned me at full speed. Big hit on the I rating those days. Sunday open, Donnie ran. Donnie got a uh, qualified fourth and finished P6. Good car on uh, during the middle of the long runs. Led my first laps of the season. Sunday fixed, I ran. I wrecked out on lap one again. Turned on, uh, <clears throat> turned by some guy who couldn't get it into fourth gear. He blew his engine and wrecked the field. So like we're go green, Everyone's taken off. This one guy doesn't take off, and, and he gets spun, and a bunch of us wreck. Of course, I'm the one who gets the most damage. 
Um, and I was like dead last again. All right, uh, Wednesday uh, fixed, Hickory. So we moved to Hickory for the next uh, week, and I ran fixed on Wednesday for the first time, I think, all year long. I was end up top split. There were drivers in there like Matt Abusa, Tyler Hudson, Blake McCandless, and other heavy hitters in this race of 20 cars. I actually qualified 10th, uh, ran all over the place. I was actually led some laps. I was first at one point uh, based on tire strategy, but I ended up piece thick and was actually really proud of that for being top split. Great, great finish. Probably my best run of the year in this series. Moving on to Wednesday Open, top split again, qualified 11th out of 23. Stayed on the lead lap and kept it clean until the green-white checker. I was running seventh and some guy spun in front of me and I couldn't miss it. And I had to fall back to 15th, I got the 14th. Steve, P16. Yeah, in the A Open, we were at Kentucky at the Legacy Track. Um, I was in the top split and I think I was car 19. Um, I qualified, I don't know, 15th or 16th and I got all the way up to 10th. Uh, made a pit stop at lap 49, there's no cautions. Went in and of course, as I went in the pits, the caution came out. So I went a lap down, I got the wave around. Um, and then uh, I ended up 16th. Um, those guys were pretty fast. I was catching some guys there at the end. I probably should have pushed a little bit harder, but uh, I ended up losing like three eye racing points. But anyways, it's fun racing with those, with those really fast guys. Right, Donnie Spiker has some results. Uh, USF 2000 at Summit Point, qualified third P7, made a mistake racing an overly aggressive driver, running P3 on the final lap and got wrecked out. Indy Pro 2000 at Summit Point, qualified sixth P8, dropped a wheel, spun out into the wall, wrecked out. Then he ran GT4 fixed at Oren Park, a P3 and a P9, both great races. And then again, uh, uh, open this time instead of fixed, it was P10 out of 28 starters. And then he ran the 2022 Chili Bowl. Heat race, uh, P7, uh, the C main, he was P7, did not make the feature, did not wreck, did not uh, get in anyone's way, actually made some competitive passes. It was my first race in the dirt midget, looking forward to running some more. Okay, here I go, I ran a bunch of stuff. I ran the new BMW Hybrid, finished P8. Then I tried it again, started 11th, finished 4th. I was up to P5 by turn uh, 3 uh, on lap 1. So that night I ran some Chris McGuire hosted. Uh, we ran the new Toy Toyota 86 at Lime Rock. I actually got wrecked, wrecked out in lap 1, turn 1. Later the 87s at Talladega, got same thing, got wrecked in the first lap. Uh, Turn one, lap one, there was a caution halfway, and I quickly got to the lead and was able to win the race. Number 261, actually. Uh, the next day, I ran the new BMW Hybrid at Sebring twice, wrecked the first time. Second race, I did finish, but went, went off for a few. I had had to brake, <clears throat> you had to slow it so hard in, in, in the braking zone and then kind of back off of the, the brakes if you to get them to not lock up. Um, I guess I, I hope I said that right, but it's really hard to figure out. And once you figure that out, it, it's not so bad. 
uh 87 cars at talladega it was 27th out of 32. i got wrecked in the first lap turn one so you see a theme here after the caution uh quickly got to the lead was in the lead on the back stretch on the white flag but got wrecked out after turn four almost had a second win there uh next bmws at uh sebring again started 10th got to p6 by the end of lap one finished p7 then we tried Skip Barber at Summit Point. That was 20, started 21st, went to 18, uh, finished 18th. Uh, overall, uh, fourth in my class. I was running first in my class, leading the race for quite some time before being run over by one of those faster cars from behind. Like, I didn't even see him coming. I was just running my race and whack, I just got whacked. Uh, then I ran uh, F2000 at Summit Point, 15 cars qualified 13th was running 10th up until the last lap and i uh went off on my own and wrecked so then i tried the indy pro i bought the indy pro 2000 it's a new it's a new car to me it's a little faster than the f2000 qualified p7 out of 16 i wrecked out on lap one next race qualified 14th out of 24 got to nine by the end of lap one and on lap two i uh, they wrecked up ahead of me on the final corner i had ended up driving straight into it t-boning the guy destroying my car third attempt i go into the grass on lap one i rejoin safely but i'm not up to speed not up to speed and the guy runs over me from the back doesn't even try to go around he just drives right over the top of me Next attempt, qualified P6 out of 10. Had a pretty good start, but lap two, I spun off on my own and got high centered. I couldn't move, I had to tow. I lost four or 500 I rating in, that, in those races. So then today, I already mentioned I tried the Lotus 49 at the Nords. I tried the dirt street stocks. I couldn't get loaded in. And then the last race right before the recording was the F2000 again at Summit. I got the pole. I led every lap and I won my race. 89th career win, 61st career pole out of 3,094 starts. That's an average winning percentage of 2.8%. And Winter that lead. is official. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's official racing, yeah. Uh, what did I do? Monday, I ran kind of out front in our winter series. Uh, kind of yo-yoed front to the back. But got you got P17. Yeah, I got racked at the end there. Uh, I stayed out on like 40 lap old tires of like a green white checkered, trying something, hoping I had a buffer behind me. It didn't work. Then last night I ran the main sim racing series and probably should have won that. Got right reared off turn four. And then today in the SK Modifieds, I won in my 2000 start in Oval. That is my 434th win in 2000 starts. I'm done. All right, other winter league finishes. David, P12. Yeah, I remember that Adam was in the position he was because he missed the pit stall and it kind of forced him to do a different strategy. But then y'all had a caution that flipped the script and really, perfect. <laughs> really paid off for y'all. And then another caution threw that all out the window, right? Um, and, you know, that's, that's how it falls. I. Uh, probably was going to finish about p12 and i think i was going to lose a few positions because of the way they caution timed out because a couple of those people uh were going to fall back uh but it ended up working out uh, there was an accident 
uh, somebody got loose and took somebody else out and I got caught up on it, put in the wall. Tins at meatball, I think I'm done. Oh, but I go ahead and put and pit and I should have cleared the tires. I didn't clear the tires, but I went ahead and uh, I pit and it was only 10 seconds to repair and like four seconds of optional. And I was like, oh, this car is probably going to still drive like crap. So I come out one lap down, but with fresh tires. Uh, and on that run, we have we do have a long run. And I'm actually all the way up to just one person behind the lead lap or the, the lucky dog position. And here I was thinking, all right, I might get that price money because they actually pay the guy who finishes in the lucky dog. Caution comes out as right as I'm setting the guy up to pass him. I, I can't believe the car is still running this good. Um, he gets the lucky dog. So I'm like, well, crap. And I'm kind of stuck because I'm out of tires. Uh, so I go ahead and stay out. We do a restart again. At this point, everybody's teeth are bared. There's another caution. I get down low for this one and, and keep the lucky dog. So I'll go around for the last start. And, and I'm in 18th, I think. And uh, still on these ancient tires, behind all the lit lap cars and lead lap cars, I drop six seconds back and just stay away from the pack. And so, and there's a big wreck at the end. And I just I come creeping by a guy's driving like grandma and pass up to P12. You mentioned Christian Schalliner had problems this week. What was that? He got busted by the restart zone rules. I don't know if he was in second or first on that particular restart because he just came, he just chimed in and said, I got a pit because it said I was ahead. And it gave him like a 50-second stop and go. Yikes. Better him than me. All right, Steve, uh, you ran, but uh, P30. Uh, yeah, my luck uh, continues. Um, I was running in the top 15 there with uh, David, and then um, I was the one that caused his rack. I got loose. So <laughs> I thought I'd wrecked him. My car didn't get hurt too bad. I came back out and uh, I was running, running good. I think we were, I think I was up there around 12th or 15th or something. And there was a guy that wrecked on the back stretch, went down on the grass. And just as I went by, he shot up backwards and nailed my car from behind. Got me turned around and then some other guy hit me and my car was done. So. I ended up a P30, but I still had fun. Uh, Greg was P16. I ran P20. I was, ran a, basically 20th to 25th through most of the race. Pitted under green and got caught a lap down from that uh, caution. Uh, it was enough, There was enough late carnage, though, that get me from 25th up to 20th. Greg did get caught in that as well. He has, he had been running like up around P7 most of the race. He was the, the fastest that night. He was really quick. Okay, let's jump to final thoughts. Adam Jocelyn. Um, thanks for having me on the show today. Um, just kind of be bopping around racing on here and um, David bullied me into it. So I'm here. Thank you. Welcome. Uh, tell us real quick how you're setting up for 2023 for your real racing. You, you, you got a new suit, fire suit. You got new equipment. You got cars, chassis, tires. Yeah, getting my cart back the day after Christmas. Um, racing Atlantic City next month. Um, should be getting my motor back beginning of January too. And then I think two weeks later we're getting tires. I think when I have close to 40 tires for that event. So 
And I think we got a group of 10 of us or so going down. So if anybody's down in that area and wants to come out and see some midgets and champ carts and whatever heck the other thing they have racing, uh, micro sprints too, uh, come out and watch. You go through 40 sets of tires for one race? No, it's 40 sets. No, not 40. It's, it's um, 40 tires, but it, most of them are practice tires. But the track's different each time you go out, depending on if someone oils it down and they got to re-put the... the um, coaxer back down so you have different prep sets some t sets are prepped really hard and then you have a set that's maybe prepped lightly depending how the track surface is you're, you're just guessing on the track surface half the time that's why you have different sets of tires all right brian mccubbin final thoughts uh yeah it was a pretty busy week for me i was out of town for most of the week so didn't get to get in my obr all race sunday so i missed that one but um other than that um ready to to get back in there and uh, do some more racing um i think that uh, this week i'm going to try to get in a couple of uh dirt races because i really want to um get in a full season of um of uh the the sprint cars i'm not sure which series i'm even going to do yet whether it's going to be the 360s or or what but um that's that's my goal so i'm gonna um try to do a full season of that and uh go from there all right, very good. David Hall, final thoughts. Well, I haven't run an Interlagos race yet or the IMSA race with the new BMW yet uh, because I just bought that track this week. And that one's a tough one to learn as on top of learning the new car in, in an actual competitive situation. And every practice session I've been in, um, I'm right now I'm about four seconds off the VRS pace and there are lmp2s that are only two and a half to three seconds off of the vrs pace um so i'm not going to jump in a race if i'm if i'm significantly slower than the fastest lmp2 so i still got to do some more practice and get that track figured out before i actually race in it uh interesting challenge uh I'm finding I really have to throw the brake bias way forward. If, if if I get on the hard brakes hard with the with with brakes in, in the 40s, uh, even keeping the wheel completely straight at that track, it's slinging around. And I, I didn't run into this problem at Daytona or Sebring, but I've run thousands of laps at those tracks, and this is the first time. So it's it's going to be a, it's it's definitely a challenge, um, but I think that's what it's going to take to learn the car. All right, Greg Hectus, final thoughts. Just got me as I got back. Uh, I was enjoying the uh, race Monday night uh, for the uh, Winter Series League. I, I felt like I had the most competitive car I've had in that series all uh, all year so far, um, all season, I guess. And uh, you know, cautions kind of ruined it, and but it was still a good race, and we'll move on to. Uh, I think I said it was Pocono next week, so the Winter Series. That'll be a crap show, I'm pretty sure, on that one. Yeah, it was fun to race Tyler Hudson uh, this week. Um, Christian Challoner, those those staff members, man, they they really show you, you know, how alien they are when when you're in there with them. Okay, moving on. Uh, Steve Thompson, final thought. Yeah, I uh, I joined. Uh, elite performance industries or their setups um and uh anyways i did it for a season for this for this season that just started and uh they have 
uh, practices on uh, Sundays. And so Mark, Michael Conte's in there and a bunch of the really good, you know, top racers that are on his team. So if you, uh, if you buy their setups, they're, they're set up for the whole season. Um, you go in there and, and they help you out and stuff. It's, it's really, it's a really good situation, especially for a guy like me, I'm probably the lowest I rating in there, but they're really helpful, really good guys. Um, there's two hours of practice and a race at the end. And, um, they're constantly sending you updates on the, uh, on the setups and stuff, which, you know, makes a difference so if you guys get a chance check him out and uh michael connie seems like a i mean he's really personable and really uh willing to help he's the one that creates all the setups and i'll be racing uh their setups at uh, kentucky this week i kind of did the same thing with mcconey through the short their short track stuff this season the guy i used to work work with on setups he's building their stuff so i signed on to run short tracks with mcconey all right. Uh, my final thoughts. Um, I bought that new car, the Indy Pro 2000, and I've never ever had such a rough experience in a new car. I, I had four starts in a row where I finished basically dead last. I looked at the stats on the series after those four starts. I had six championship points. Six. My average finish was 19th. Now this is out of field of twenty, okay? So, uh, or 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 even less. So it's like the worst stats you can get, and and then the I rating loss, you know, four or five hundred in I rating lost, all at once, you know. And so I had to take a step back and go, is this the right car for me? Is it the track? Do I need to just wait till next week and the track will change? And that's kind of what I'm doing. I'm going to stop racing at Summit this week and wait for the track to change and then we'll try it again. I'm not going to give up. Don't really care about the I rating, but um but yeah, the, I also found it easier to drop back to the slower car, the F2000, uh after running that Indy Pro car for a while. Uh I found I could go faster in the slower car and I ended up winning a race in the slower car. Um so I think in a in a roundabout way it may have helped me. But uh, more to come on that. The second thing in final thoughts is, guess what? I decided to buy the Butt Kicker Gamer Plus. $280 with tax, it was $300. With shipping, it was $315. I get it tomorrow. And uh, the project is going to be to install it, uh, mount it directly to the bottom of my seat, right where my butt sits. So I'm going to drill three holes. Uh, I'm going to buy... Uh, you know, nuts and bolts and uh, bolt it down. Uh, strategized last night with Steve Thompson about how to handle the software. Uh, basically, they have this new software um, which you run independently of SimHub, and I'm going to run it first through that software, and I'm going to have it run independent of my current butt kicker so they're totally separate from e each other. And that's the project. So tomorrow I'll get it installed and uh, and see how it goes. How far away from your butt is it? One inch, as we talked about last week, I think. <laughs> It'll be close. And so I don't think I'll need a lot of volume on it, but uh, I'm excited. I've been playing with uh, SimHub today, trying to 
try the different effects and uh, dial them in a little bit. I'm going from one butt kicker to two. Um, so super excited about this project and uh, we'll hope it goes well. And with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later. Thank you for listening to the Odd Racers Lounge podcast. Make sure you go subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, or Google Play, Facebook, and Twitter. See you on the track.